Welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy of Kids Views. I'm here today with Amy Oztan of Amy Ever After. Hello. Hello. And Andrea Smith, our technology guru extraordinaire. Hi. Yet again, we are in three different places recording in one place. I feel like we were ahead of the curve for the COVID-19. Like we were already. We've been doing this for so long. <laughs> we really have. Um, I've never been grateful that before that we like didn't have a studio that we all had to clamber into like we used to in the old days because now we would not have that. <laughs> we would try to be figuring this out from scratch. But right. Because here we it, are. it took us months to really figure out how to do this semi well. And we would have been yes. so scrambling right now. So here we are, three pros <laughs> at a d- distance recording and conferencing. Today on the show, we have Dr. Deborah Gilboa, also known as Dr. G. She is the founder of AskDrG.com, and she's a family doctor in Pittsburgh. She's joining us today. You might remember her from our past episode on chores um, that so was good. such a big hit. Oh, so good. It's still such a good episode. But um, she's on today to help us talk about resiliency for your kids and for you too, um, because we are all kind of wading through this together and figuring out this time together and trying not to freak ourselves out, freak our kids out and figure out how we can come out of this with stronger kids and um, being stronger people ourselves with less fear and uh, more confidence in our ability to get through things like that. So we will be right back with Dr. G. We are back with Dr. Deborah Gilboa, also known as the founder of AskDrG.com. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. G. I'm really happy to be here. Um, you know, we it's been a while since we had you on. I think when you were on talking about that chores episode, it blew so many people's minds <laughs> that people still talk about it. People still say to me like that chores episode, I wish I could have done it. Like everyone listened to it was super gung ho. And then was like, I can't like could not make it work. Then I have some really good news for the next week or two. <laughs> exactly. This was the perfect time to have you on. And it's funny because someone posted online, like, why does everyone think they have to teach kids just academic stuff? Like if your kids are stuck at home, it's a great time to teach them to cook, to do laundry, to rake, you know, the yard to whatever. And I thought of you immediately. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Right. I've been thinking of it this way. Like if you are, if you are currently experiencing why you very much hope that your child leaves home as a young adult, <laughs> this is a great time to give them the skills they will need to do so. It's so yeah. Funny. You know, it's funny because this, um, this has made me realize that while I have prepared my children very well for the outside world, like they're very independent and can go anywhere in New York by themselves and, you know, can survive inside the house. Not so much. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about, I mean, there's a couple of things, right? One is building resiliency in kids. I think that this has freaked out so many kids and mostly because it's everywhere, the media coverage, and then their lives were disrupted to a point that most of them have never experienced. I mean, my daughter's are the 9-11 babies. They're, they're all the babies born in that mm-hmm. year after 9-11, but they, don't, they didn't experience 9-11, right? Like no, my, I did. My <laughs> almost 18-year-old said to me the other night on the couch, this is, this is probably my generation's 9-11, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's exactly right. And I think, um, and even my daughters were too young for Sandy, which shut down New York for a week. And they, they knew they didn't have school for a week, but it didn't impact them. This is 
this is the long haul and this is going to affect the economy in a way that I think 9-11 did too. So how do we not let our children get completely freaked out? So the first way to not let our kids get completely freaked out is to work on our own resilience as adults. Because uh, in this time where I can't have this conversation without my kids hearing, right? Um, you guys probably have your kids that if they chose to walk into the room that you're doing this, they would be hearing you. They're hearing everything. If we've ever wondered if our kids are, you know, try, are, are they really listening? Now, they don't really have a choice. So our coping mechanisms are going to really inform their coping mechanisms. It's really important for us to remember that our kids don't expect us to have no emotions or no concerns. What they're looking for is not for us to have no feelings, it's to understand how they can process their feelings and manage them. Okay, how do they do it? <laughs> so, right. So, so I guess the first question is, you know, so for example, one of you guys probably can't just be me, probably in your homes, you might use sarcasm a little bit to manage feelings or uh, yeah. a, a little bit of dark humor to manage feelings. <laughs> right. I do want to mention that kids under eight, even though they've grown up in that culture of your family, they may not see the nuance that you see. So if you make a dark joke or what's sometimes called gallows humor, they might think you mean it. So I want you to be looking at their faces to see how things land uh, and really noticing. I want to really encourage just for this couple of minutes while we're talking about adults, I want us to really be careful about how we use and also talk about substances. I'm seeing a lot, and, and Rebecca, you and I were online together at the same time. About four or five years ago, there was a big push for us to refresh our funny and stop talking quite as much about it's wine o'clock or mm -hmm. you know coffee, you're on the bench, wine, suit up, those kinds of things, because we recognize that our kids are watching us on social media. Well, now they're also really hearing all of our words. So please be careful talking about using alcohol or marijuana or other substances as a coping mechanism, because that's not so healthy for our kids to hear that message. And I will say as a family doctor who takes care of grownups, it's not a tremendously healthy coping mechanism for adults for the long haul on the regular. So those kinds of things, to be able to think about what are our neutral and positive coping mechanisms and say to our kids, you know what, you guys, I just watched the news and I need 10 minutes of Candy crushed, and then I will help you with that project, um, is a totally reasonable thing to model. When we talk about what we're experiencing, I only want to encourage adults, if you can, to try to have other adults, even though it's probably on the phone or virtual, to lean on so that you can, your kids can feel like they can lean on you. What we want to avoid is our kids feeling like they have to be our support system. We should be their support system especially for younger kids, but even teens need to feel like their parents got this more than they do. We don't have to have it. We don't have to have it all the time, but they have to feel like they can lean on us when they're having a hard time. Does that make sense as, as ways for us yeah, as parents no, to think about really this? That's a really good point. It's a really good point because I think, especially when your kids get older and you're so used to sort of just doing things with them and discussing politics with them and all that stuff, you forget that this this is different. Like if you're talking about, I mean, just the other day, our, our mayor yesterday said this could be another Great Depression. And I was like, why would he say that? Like, I know it's like, even if you as the mayor are terrified, that's the reality like you're supposed Shushy. to be the cheerleader right now. Yeah, you're supposed <laughs> to say like we have been through 
hell and back. Like we know as a city what this is. This is a different form of this, but like we're going to be okay. And then behind the scenes, you can go be like, oh no, our economy's cratering. Um, but I, I think <laughs> it's probably the same at home because I was so angry at him for saying that. Like I really was. I'm like, that is just bad leadership. But you're right. As a parent, if you're the leader of the home, you shouldn't be going around just talking about all that too. And I think turn off the TV. I, I see so many people have the TV on all day. Oh, that's us. My husband and I are just used to having it on all the time, usually on news. Yeah. And social media. So I was a doctor during 9-11. I was in my residency. And we had, we were just saying to patients over and over and on the, again on the phone, turn, because I was on the East Coast, turn off the television just because it was making everybody's anxiety worse. So taking in your, going back to the 1970s and taking in your media by appointment as opposed to constantly in the background is a really big way to build resilience in kids and in adults. So I'm not asking you not to check, but that sense that you have that if you turn it off for a minute and miss something, things will fall apart, that's a false sense of control. And it's more damaging than it is helpful. That's really interesting because, I mean, our son was raised basically on watching the evening news. You know, we did watch the evening news at night and he's 30 now. Um, and he was just up here last week uh, for a few days visiting and he still will watch the evening news with me. And he says he watches it at home too. Not all day. I mean, clearly, you know, a 30 year old is not going to sit and watch news shows all day and he does get most of his news on Reddit. But I think that in this uh, environment, he's kind of tuned that out because he knows so much of it is misinformation and just, you know, coming at you fast. He will sit down and still watch, you know, 630, half an hour, it's news time, that's it, talk about it and be done. So that's great. But you're gonna like, really, I completely fail as a parent here, because he said, let me help you stock up on stuff. And I said, great, you're nice and strong. And we happened to have an appointment right across the street from Total Wine. And I went and I bought a case of wine. <laughs> I said, can you carry this to the car for me? I'm stocking up. But I think as an adult, he gets it. <laughs> yeah, that's a little different than, you know, saying to your 15 year old, hey, have all right, your friends we come go over because we've got to. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, and really, it's not it's not that you drink some wine. It's how you talk about it. It's also, of course, for pe adults health. It is how you use it, how often. But it's really for our kids sake, their resilience. It's how you talk about it. Because here's what I know. This crisis will end and our kids will face other times of tremendous uncertainty and upheaval in their lives. So what they're learning from us is not just how to handle these few weeks. And Rebecca, please don't, you know, be mad at me like you're mad at the mayor for saying this, but this is actually a chance for us to teach for us to teach our kids how we want them to look at uncertainty in the future. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. You know, my um, saying to my daughters, I, I might have mentioned this on the show before, my, my grandmother just passed away and she was 102 and my daughters were sort of freaking out about this. And I'm like, I want you to think about your great grandma that just died, who was born when World War One broke out, was a baby during the Spanish flu pandemic, and then had World War II, she had the Great Depression, World War II, the Holocaust, where an entire branch of her family was killed, like, you know, was scared that her children were going to get polio every summer. This is the course of human history is actually this. Right. right. And I'm, and I'm asking, asking you, you to like, stay on the couch. Like we can exactly to stay on the couch <laughs> and play club penguin and look at zoom, like and do your classes on zoom. And yes, it sucks. You might not have graduation. You might not have the trip you planned this summer, but like in the context of things, they have had a very smooth ride um, in the last, you know, this last post nine 11 world. Um, 
has been relatively smooth considering the major world events that usually define you know, humanity. Right. And this is a great time to build resilience. So we know that one of the things that builds resilience in kids is for them to hear. So I want to tell you guys about a research study that I thought was really cool. There was this research done looking at kids, uh, young adults whose families had a family story of pulling themselves up from their bootstraps and succeeding a family story of a major loss where they took like, you know, a major financial hit or whatever and went from a, p- a place of privilege to a place of struggle. And kids whose family histories included both, included the cycle of pulling themselves up, of falls, of pulling themselves up again. And the kids who had, as young adults, the most optimistic attitude, resilience towards difficulty and success were the people who saw the cycles, who heard their own family talk about, we struggled and then we succeeded and then we had loss and then we managed it again. It's the cycles that teach us. I hope that our kids experience longer breaks of prosperity as a world in between. But even if they don't, I want them to have the skills they need to be able to manage whatever comes their way. And so this is a time for us to have a microcosm to really have the time and attention to talk to them about it. And while you still have kids in your home, which I I think not a lot of people will have that option, You know, there's so many people who are worried about their adult children or their young adult children who've chosen to stay at, um, you know, in their off-campus housing or live with their own kids somewhere farther away. But for us who are still in the trenches of parenting in our home, there are particular challenges, but there's also a particular opportunity to be really transparent about the skills we're teaching our kids. Yeah. And one of them is just not freaking out, right? Yeah. (laughs) Or when you have the freak out, freak outs are like tantrums. They happen. Meltdowns happen. It's how do you recover from them? So I think the hardest thing for me, my kids have been coping well, and I'm really proud of them. Um, But the one thing that I've had trouble dealing with and answering questions about is the timeline. Because nobody knows how long this is going to last. And that's like the one thing that I can't answer. Like, You know, when my kids ask questions, my daughter especially, like, you know, are we going back to school in September? Like, you know, nobody knows how long this is going to last. So how do you handle that much uncertainty? The first thing that you have to figure out is what do you know or think you know? And that, and I say think you know, because as somebody pointed out already, there's news out there and then there's news, there's opinion shaded as news. So What do you know for sure? And what do you think you know? If your daughter comes to you and says, I heard that this is going to last until 2028 or it's never going to be over, you can be like, okay, but where? Like I have empathy for the fear that that generates, but does that sound reasonable to you? And then that's like what we've always done with our kids about the news, asking them to be critical thinkers. So you figure out what they think they know, have empathy for how they're feeling about it, and then look for some facts. But you're absolutely right. There's a lot that's unknowable. So then... I want kids with guidance from adults to think about, so in a time of uncertainty, what do you need? What do you need that we can actually approach? So I need to know that my house is stable, my my home that I live in. I need to know that I have food. I need to know that I get to talk to you about this whenever I need to. What What do you need today? What do you need this week? And what do you need this month? And a lot of that has to do with figuring out what we can control. Because uncertainty is about what's unknowable, but it's also about what's uncontrollable. So I really encourage you to get kids to focus on the things they can control. Yeah, that is so big. (laughs) Yeah. 
That's really smart. There's a lot that they can control. And another thing that I've seen a lot of parents do is say, you know what? These are unusual times. My kids are missing out on so much. I'm just going to make this so special for them. And, you know, they're having like, you know, ridiculously fancy sugary breakfasts every morning. And like, you know, every single rule is out the window. And I understand that that attitude, like, because the kids really are missing out on some stuff that that is going to hurt. But how do you balance trying to keep kids happy during this time and make it seem like not a miserable time and just completely spoiling them and ruining them for when times get back to normal? So your instinct is right that that doesn't actually help kids. So can I tell you guys about another research study? Because that's, yes. that's how I justify my opinions <laughs> as being more than just opinions and anecdotes. Uh, there was a re- research study done at the Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh, which is the transplant center for kids in the world, right? Kids come from all over the world who need organ, especially multi-organ transplants. And they did this research because kids who need transplants, first of all, what a horrible thing. Yes. So of course we want to coddle those kids a little bit. I don't just mean medically. I mean like emotionally, we want to make the things that we can be nice for them, nice for them. You could totally understand that. So, but kids who need transplants often end up living on the hospital floor for seven to 12 months after that transplant before they can go home. And they did an interesting research study where they, they only looked at families where the sick kiddo, the transplant kid, we'll call them, has siblings. And then through interviews with the the patients, the siblings, the parents, and the nurses, they split them into two groups. The group of kids who have, whose parents have the same behavior rules for the transplant kid as for the well siblings, and the families where they have different rules for the transplant kid. Now, I'm not talking about chores. I mean, you know, you can't interrupt when somebody's talking, you can't call me names, like behavior and communication rules. The families where they had the same rules for the transplant kid as they did for the well siblings, those kids got well faster. They had fewer antibiotics. They had fewer hospital days. They had fewer complications. That's interesting. Kids want boundaries. No matter how much empathy or just sadness we have for the circumstance that they're in through no fault of their own, kids get healthier and feel stronger when they have boundaries. That's so interesting. And probably also when they feel like they're being treated normal. Yeah. Right? So it's terrifying to a kid to get up every morning and be like, you know what? It's sugar cereal day. That's how kids are like, again, maybe it is the end of the world. And they're just (laughs) not telling me. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. In all of this desire to be flexible and the new normal and kind of go with it, you're saying that it's still really important to set boundaries, even though you yourself may not be aware of what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to change. Yeah. Because what we know is my mom used to say, if you're still breathing, you have options. You may not like them, but you have some. So that idea that there are still choices to be made, that there are still, that there's still a future ahead of us, giving our kids the idea that like, the Titanic is sinking, so eat whatever you want or do whatever you want. That's not the situation we're in. And that sends a really unsettling message that actually lends kids to feel more uncertainty. So the more structure, kindergarten teachers, they are the world's expert in creating structure for kids who seem like they don't want structure. And if it didn't help them, 
they'd have stopped doing it by now. So having a bedtime and having a wake up time and having stuff you're going to do every day, and then having a couple of weekend days a week where you do it differently, all of that will help kids feel like we can do this. If it lasts for a week or if it lasts for a month or if it lasts for longer, we can do this. If every day is Disneyland at home, that not only isn't sustainable, it's frightening to kids. And differentiating the weekends from the workdays is really important because this has all seemed like one big day. Yeah. It's just stretching on forever and it never ends. Yeah, I think also because normal life, um, as we know, it was also suspended. So it wasn't just like something bad happened. And then, you know, the city's reacting to it, or the country's reacting to it. It's that your bars and restaurants are closed, they're telling you to stay home, like there's so much out there that is um, suspended, the opposite of Disneyland. (laughs) Yes, but but on such a huge scale of like, what on earth is happening? Like, it's very, you know, I even after bad things that have happened, like 9-11, the message was always go out and do your thing. I mean, I saw an article the other day about France that like their reaction to terrorism attacks and always has been, we go to the cafes and we have our wine and they're not going to stop us from living our lives like French people. And now they're literally saying to them, you must stop living like French people or we're all you're all going to die. You know, and it's like, what do you do with that? Um, Ladies, I'd really like to talk about something that I know is a little bit frightening for parents, but prevention is the best answer. And it's not coronavirus. It's mental stress and mental illness in kids. So for anyone, staying at home can trigger anxiety and depression. And those things can be treated and managed, but the best thing we can do is work to prevent it. And working to prevent it is about beginning as you mean to go on. Structure, schedule. Um, I, I actually, I am not a chore chart person with my kids. I'm not a schedule person. And yet we started a schedule intentionally because even though, thank goodness, none of my kids have chronic mental illness, everybody's going to struggle in this. And one of the things, for example, that just as a strategy that we built into our schedule is an hour for social reach outs. My kids came to me yesterday was our first day of trying this schedule. And they're like, social reach outs is on the schedule. What does that mean? And I said to them, go text your camp friends, go get on FaceTime with Hmm. your best friend from school. Who didn't you see today that you would normally talk to every day? Who haven't you talked to in months that you would love to connect with? And We FaceTimed my dad and his wife who live a half a mile from us. So we've never done that before. They were so excited. And my 11-year-old and I had a really good, fun conversation with them. We're planning, it's our family's tradition to have a big Friday night dinner every week with a bunch of people at a move, and we move houses. We're setting up a Zoom reservation and we're going to Zoom our Friday night dinner. Everybody's going to get together at seven o'clock and be ready with the food on the table as ready as we ever are at seven o'clock. And we're just going to have our same loud, rowdy conversation through Zoom. So thinking intentionally about how we see people's faces. If you would normally mute your video on a Zoom call for work, even if your hair is messy, even if your dog will walk through the screen, see people's faces. Get your kids encourage them to turn on their video if they're doing remote distance learning for school. So seeing people's faces, expressing empathy, feeling other people's empathy, laughing together, feeling worried together, that togetherness for kids as well as adults will really strengthen mental health. 
That is all such good advice. This is all such good. You always have great advice. <laughs> it's great advice for grownups as well as kids. I yeah. mean, it's yes. and you're so right. It's it is from the top down. If you're freaking out and stressing out, your kids are going to see that and they're going to do it too. But it's so hard, even with an adult child, to to know where to to just be confident and optimistic and say you'll be okay, or where to just talk about reality, like. Yeah, this sucks. <laughs> but here's an advantage to the relationship it sounds like you have with your 30-year-old son. Ask him. When he calls you or when you guys are, on, are talking and he's expressing his concerns, one of the things that I say to my almost 18-year-old is, are you looking for empathy or solutions? Ah. I say that with my teenager all the time. And most of the time, teenagers will say empathy. And we as parents are used to being the fixers. We are the Shonda Rhimes. But they actually know that we can't fix it. And it comes off as fairly inauthentic when we tell them for the 88th time, hey, it's all going to be okay, because we can't know that. And they know we can't know that. So I think that I think just asking, what are you looking for can help. Once I started asking my daughter that, um, I discovered that like 75 to 85% of the time, she really just wanted to vent. All right. Good. Always still good advice. Thank you. (laughs) I really appreciate it. I think that the thing not to be afraid of is the communication. The thing to be afraid of is pretending. So I'm not asking any adult to pretend things are okay if they feel like they're not. I'm asking them to express once what's happening and how they're feeling about it and then move through it towards positive solutions because that's the pattern we want our kids to take their whole lives with whatever obstacles they face in the future. Oh, such good advice. Thank you so much for joining us today. I, I feel better. Yeah. <laughs> I feel so good. much better. Me too. We can do this. And we can do this again, by the way, when you guys are ready. <laughs> yes, because we all know we don't know when it's going to end. <laughs> so exactly. we, might, we might be dialing you in at least once a month, like, okay, we're on month three, help. <laughs> it really is going to be okay, but it is really going to be a while. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for joining us today. You bet. Thanks, everybody. Take care. You too. And we will be right back with our Bites of the Week. This week, we're brought to you by KiwiCo. If you are stuck at home right now with your kids and you are looking for an awesome project-based kit to do, some new ideas, KiwiCo has incredible crates that are super creative. And Andrea, I know your granddaughter tried one. She did. Actually, both of them did. KiwiCo sent them each one and they loved it. I really wanted to see how they enjoyed the different kits. Uh, One of them, she got kind of an uh, art sculpture box, Um, but it was so cute because she sent me a text saying how much she loved it and that it was really relaxing to make the sculpture. And she said, you can make something with just the wires or just the clay. And then she sent me a picture of her turtle sculpture. And she called the turtle Tallulah the Turtle. I have no idea why, but it looks really cute. (laughs) So they really had a good time playing with these. And now, more than ever, I think parents are going to want something like this to keep their kids busy while they're at home. No, I agree. KiwiCo is redefining play with hands-on projects that build confidence, creativity, and critical thinking skills. There's something for every kid or kid at heart at KiwiCo. Get your first month free on select crates at kiwico.com slash parenting. That's K-I-W-I-C-O dot com slash parenting. Get your first crate free and have something come in the mail for your kid right now that's a super cool project. What could be better? We are back with our Bites of the Week. Amy, what do you have? 
All right. So I've talked about baking on the podcast before. I'm an avid baker. And um, I think a lot of other people are trying it for the first time because A, they're home more. B, they're having trouble finding bread in stores. And C, it's just fun and you've got, you know, this time now. So um, I've been digging into a great thing that King Arthur Flour has has on their site. If, if you want to get the baking basics, King Arthur Flour is my favorite site and also my favorite flour. Um, but they have a great collection called The Best Basics. So if you're looking for a place to start, or even if like you just don't have a go-to cake recipe or a go-to um, cinnamon roll recipe, this is a list of like, I don't know, a dozen or so basic recipes for like oatmeal cookies and biscuits and blueberry muffins and apple pie and things like that. So it's a great place to start. And then I also wanted to point out two other pages on their site that I'll link to. One is something that I refer to all the time. Um, it's like you're you're reading a recipe and they say, you know, an egg and you're like, what size? Or, you know, use sugar and you're like, what kind? This is like their standards page of like, you know, when we say this, this is what it always means. So that's, oh, that's great, great. Yeah, it's, it's such a great reference. And I wish that like I try to go by that when I write my recipes and everybody's just like go by their standards because they're great. And then the third thing is they have a great page with um, weight conversions for things so that like like I if if you want to get into baking, you have to get a kitchen scale like it's just essential. Not only will it help ensure that your flour weights and things like that, your flour measurements come out the same each time. But you use so fewer dishes. Like if you're not having to pull out, you know, cup measures and and tablespoons all the time and you just dump everything into one bowl, it's so much easier and you don't have all that stuff to wash out afterwards. So buy a scale. And then if a recipe says, you know, two cups of flour and you're like, well, they didn't give me the weight. What do I do? There's this huge list of ingredients on King Arthur Flour's site about um, what what's the standard weight for like every ingredient that you can imagine. So just fantastic. Oh, that's good. Yeah, everybody It's usually older recipes that yes. don't have the gram conversion. Yes, and it's so handy for that because I really do hate it when I have to pull out all the measuring cups and spoons for recipes that don't give you that. So yeah. we're all going to gain like 100 pounds while we're home. No, the COVID-19. We're yeah. all gaining the COVID-19. And hey, you know what? I'm I'm still on Weight Watchers. I had started it a month before we all became homebound, and um, I'm still sticking to it, which is not easy when I'm doing all this extra baking, but I'm making it work and controlling portions, and you can do it. If you don't want to gain the COVID-19, you can still bake and eat delicious things. You just can't go crazy. All right. Wow. Now we know what Amy's doing. See, the worst part of all this, Amy, is that you can't bring us anything. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, part. I'm trying to stick to Weight Watchers, too, but I sure would take a little portion-controlled piece of what you're baking. <laughs> you know, that's the toughest part. Like, I'm not even sure if I can bring it to my neighbors. Like, I'm used to sharing this stuff with my neighbors. No, and you like, really yeah. can't. I, I can't. You can't. You can't. You can't. Well, you can do so, it and leave it outside what? their door. You just have to hope they take it. I just hope, but my worry is that like anything that I touched might infect, like I'm trying to be so careful. People are, I think people are worried about eating things that other people have touched. I really, yeah. I mean, but they know you, you know, 
They do think it gets killed by cooking. I will say that. They don't think it's like living in food. Well, I mean, we're still doing takeout. We're still trying to keep some of the restaurants near us afloat. Yeah, that's so important. But we are wiping down the outsides of containers and... Us too. You know, it's, it's, you know, not using like any of the silverware or napkins that they put in the bag. Like, we just toss all that stuff. Amy, I have a great idea. Hmm. Just anything you bake that you don't finish, wrap it in individual portions and freeze it. And then yeah. the next time we have our get together, uh, <laughs> just be like, here's everything I baked during COVID-19. <laughs> oh my God. I'm going to have to buy another freezer. I might the buy another freezer. Great COVID-19 bake off. Seriously. <laughs> That's it. a great show. That's so good. All, All right, right, Andrea, well, what do you have? If, if you are not baking, like me, and depend on others like Amy to bake for them. Um, Rebecca, last week you talked about um, a really cool thing that some of the operas were doing, which was streaming their operas live or recorded online. And Travel and Leisure has a great article for people who may need a little bit of cultural infusion into their day for themselves or their kids. 12 famous museums that offer virtual tours. So you just fire up your laptop or... You know, wherever you are, you can be quarantined and you can go through the Guggenheim. You can go through the National Gallery of Art. Um, the there's a the Pergamon Museum in Berlin, which I have personally been through, and it's amazing. Um, they've got a virtual tour going on. The Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam. So. Honestly, even so without cool. COVID-19, I would love to see some of these, the Uffizi in Florence. Um, so there's links to each of these museums in this article that we'll link to. But gosh, it's just a great way to just put everything out of your head and just, I don't know, relax a little, look at some art and kind of chill. That's great. That's cool. So uh, my bite this week is on Grub Street, which is part of New York Magazine, it is an oral history of a Zoom bar mitzvah. Oh. <laughs> and this kid's bar mitzvah was supposed to happen with like 250 people, a big party, you know, on the Upper East Side in a big party space. And the temple canceled it. Like they were like, this is not happening. We're not doing this. And it was actually very interesting. They talked about how um, in Judaism that you have to, the law of the land um, rules. And so they were saying the health department is the law of the land. <laughs> it overrules everything else. So they decided to have his bar mitzvah Zoom and to go through with it. And he was so sad. And it's a, it's a conversation with his dad, his mom, the kid, and the rabbi. So it's actually really sweet. And he said um, that he didn't know that anyone was watching. Like they sent the link out. They're supposed to have all these people and that, you know, he couldn't see anyone when he was doing it. And then um, all of a sudden when he was done, they let everyone else in, you know, because you can mute everyone. They unmuted everyone and like 200 people, all of his friends, everyone had been watching and they all screamed, Mazel Tov! And he said it was like so amazing because like he just did it. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, it's making me cry. It was so sweet. He thought maybe there'd be five or six people and there were, were, he said it was like more than 200 because some people were sharing devices and it was really sweet. So it was really sweet and he... You know, he took it in stride and he said, I, I didn't know what to think. Like the the day it happened, I didn't think it was going to happen. And he said, challenges are going to happen. They'll come out of nowhere. It reminds me of what Dr. G was talking about a little bit. You know, he learned there can be very big things happening and it might not go the way you think. 
But then he ended by saying, I don't have my hopes up for anything anymore. And I was like, oh. that broke my heart. Oh, my God. Oh, well, you know, a kid that age has been studying for over a year and practicing and, you know, the hype leading up to your bar mitzvah yeah. and, of course, your party which I'm sure was canceled. I mean, that has to be so disappointing. And honestly, it's not even like you can say, well, we'll reschedule it for June because or September because you learn a Torah portion. And that yeah, portion said, only comes said around for, on a specific yeah, once a year. date. Yeah, yeah. So you can't, it's not like you can change it. He said it. it could be 18 months or something the way this count, the calendar was. Yeah, it's oh, so I didn't horrible. I that. Yeah, yeah, you, you can't the Torah just portion. say we'll do it in September because that Torah portion doesn't come up in September. Oh, could yeah, they make an exception for this? Well, I think they will be for other kids, but I think they are religious, this family. And because um, he goes to one of the schools, the school that was the first school to be closed, actually, because right. that first case. So like if you're religious, they're not letting it slip. Like you're you're literally doing the Torah reading that week. So he had so maybe he'll have his party at a later date like he'll have the party part but he had to do the the actual bar mitzvah part it's just it was very sad but also really sweet and so sweet that like all of his friends like everyone really was watching and trying to be there for him and i don't That's know cool. you know i'd like to read it, it. it's yeah. it's the proms and the graduations and the bar mitzvahs and bat mitzvahs and you know my daughter's gonna turn weddings. 16 yeah weddings my daughter's going to turn 16 when we're all going to be locked in. and Yeah, mine are turning 18. <sighs> oh, it's so sad. And they have a huge trip planned for the summer that I we're just done. We're just watching day by day to see if they're going to go. But they had um, summer stuff is already being canceled, like camps and stuff are already canceling. Yeah, my daughter so, was supposed to be a CIT and now that's up in the air. Yeah, we had our the first summer program already canceled. But... Let's hope for better things. Let's hope this passes relatively quickly with with few um, dire consequences. Let's hope the worst predictions are wrong. That's all we can hope, right? So thank you, ladies. Uh, you can find everything we talked about on ParentingBites.com, on Facebook.com slash ParentingBites, where you can leave us messages. Let us know how you're surviving your isolation or quarantining or as Jacques Pepin tweeted, your sparkling isolation. <laughs> yes, my, that was it's, my favorite. It's only a quarantine if it comes from the quarantine region of France. Yeah. That's so Otherwise, funny. you are in that was sparkling very isolation. The memes are um, great. The memes are what's going to get us all through this. Yeah. That is all yes. I know. You and, gotta laugh. And having two teenagers, I am seeing more memes than I've ever seen in my life, and they are all there. I have such faith in this generation oh. because they are so freaking funny Same. <laughs> so, um, until next week please rate review subscribe and share wherever you're listening to us I think now more than ever we all need to be listening to each other and virtually tapping into each other so feel free to share this podcast with other parents you think might enjoy it until next week stay safe and happy parenting bye 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 Hey, this is our Parenting Bites disclaimer. Everything we talk about on the show is our own opinion. Any products we recommend, it's our own personal recommendation for entertainment purposes only. If you buy something through our affiliate links or you just happen to buy or see or read or watch something that we've recommended, it's at your own risk.